Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Men have allowed love to cause them to go in a direction that God did not choose for them to go. And that is when they fall in love with the enemy. that flows in God's people when they decide to set themselves aside for His purpose and for His will. Say what you will, but I'm not in love with you. I've fallen in love with God and I'll not leave God for one second. I do not fall for the tactics of your enemy. Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 6. It's the story of Samson. And we are going to pick up the story where he he found his woman. (laughs) Or so he thought. Verse 4 says, It came to pass afterward that He loved a woman. Everybody say, he loved a woman. In the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines, which was where Delilah came from, her government, her her rulers, they came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. You see, the Philistines had a problem with this man. Samson was a great warrior, but not just any warrior. There were a lot of great warriors, but he had an uncommon strength. He had an anointing that rested upon him. And he was defeating Philistines and killing Philistines left and right. And seemed unable to be beaten. And so these lords, they approached Delilah and they said, you find out where he gets his strength from and by what means we may prevail against him. That we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. Quite a bit of money. I mean, if there was just one person there, one Lord there, that would have been 1,100 pieces of silver. But there were more than one because it says we. So she was looking at quite a, quite a uh, large amount of monetary gain. So verse 6 tells us that she made her choice and Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Where do you get your strength? And how do I bind you in order to afflict you? I just want to take you right back to verse number 4, where the Bible tells us that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. I just want to preach to you today for a little while in love with the enemy. In love with the enemy. Would you lay your Bibles down? Let's ask the Lord to just speak to our hearts today through His Word to give us some direction today for somebody that might be 
needing that. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, the power of your Spirit is so thick in this place. God, we just ask that your Word would speak to us right now. God, let us take the downfall of one man, God, and keep it, help, help, let us, let us take it and let it keep us from making certain mistakes in our own lives that would lead to certain destruction. God, we pray that your hand would be upon your word today, that your spirit would be in this place, and would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I don't think it's any secret to any of us that love is a curious thing. I have been a people watcher for a long, long time. And one of the things that I have noticed before, and, and I've always been a little slightly curious about <laughs> is when you see a mismatched couple, you know, and like, oh, wow, she's she's not bad looking, but man, I don't know where she picked him up from. Uh, that must have been a... <laughs> You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. All of you right now, you've got somebody in mind that you can think of, like... I have no idea how those two got together, how she married him, or, or, or vice versa. You know, I, even in my own case sometimes, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've stopped and thought, and I'll look in pictures, and, and I just tell people, I'm not very photogenic. My wife, you can snap a, a picture of her. She's not looking. She doesn't know. She's not prepared or prepped, and, and they all turn out good. And for me, it's like we go through a picture, uh, you know, 50 pictures are taken to me. I'm like, yeah, no good, trash, no good, no, no, no. Well, that one could be considered tolerable and and I've just always told people I'm not very photogenic and then it dawned on me one day the reason that I'm not very photogenic is that I'm just not all that great looking <laughs> you know she can look cross-eyed and take a take a great picture you know and, and me I can I can do everything the lighting can be just right I, I finally figured out the way to, to take a good picture of me and that is in a room that has no lights on. I, I, I can get by with a decent picture. You know, the little silhouette. My silhouettes aren't even that great looking. They're, they're just, there's just not much I can do about it. And so I look at our relationship and there have been times now, is she in here? There you are. You're hiding on me. She's moved spots. Yeah. There have been times, I was going to say don't anybody tell her this because I, I want to, of course she's locked in. I mean, if she's kept me for 32 years, she's probably not going to toss me out uh, after I say this. Uh, I'm not saying it bad about her, but I have wondered what was it that made her attracted to me, you know? I mean, love does some funny things. I mean, uh, you've heard it said that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, there's somebody for everybody. Uh, there's there, there's somebody out there uh, that, that, that will love... Uh, uh, you. There's somebody out there that will love that person. There's people that maybe you looked at and thought, there's no chance for him. He's never going to get married. And the next thing you know, he's marching down the aisle saying the I do's. And they walk off halfway together and have six, uh, half a dozen children or so and have this beautiful life going on. There is somebody out there for everybody. As a matter of fact, somebody wrote a poem I found early this morning. I was looking around and, and I found a, a poem and, and it kind of reminds me of that there is truly somebody for everybody. And the title of this beautiful poem is My One-Eyed Love. My One-Eyed Love. I've fallen in love, I don't know why. I've fallen in love with a girl with one eye. <laughs> I knew from the start it was plain to see that this wonderful girl had an eye out for me. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
She's charming and witty and jolly and jocular. Not what you'd expect from a girl who's monocular. (laughs) Of eyes, at the moment, she hasn't full quota. But that doesn't change things for me. One iota. (laughs) It must be quite difficult if you're bereft. If your left eye is gone and your right eye is left. But she's made up her mind. She's made her decision. She can see it quite clearly in 1020 vision. (laughs) She'll not leave me waiting, not left in the lurch. She looks slightly sideways. If she looks slightly sideways, she'll see me in church. I'll marry my true love who's gentle and kind and thus prove to everyone that love's not quite blind. (laughs) Oh, does anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning? You know, it's difficult to... You know, from my point of view, after being married for 30 some odd years and having this beautiful relationship to to convey that to to somebody that's still looking, you know, somebody that feels like, uh, you know, is it ever going to happen for them? But but I, I promise you this today, love is out there for you. It just has to be the right love. It has to be the one that God sends you. And that's not where I'm going with this story today. But but I'm here to tell you that love can get you in a lot of trouble as well. When you have a love for God and you have a love and a desire to please God as our lesson so beautifully and eloquently was explained to us today, then, then you're going to go certain directions and, and God had just the perfect love carved out for you. God has the perfect one carved out for you. Brother Bishop, am I, am I right or not? I mean, uh, you're, I am right. I know I'm right. Uh, you know, I thought I was wrong one time, or right, wrong one time, but, but, but I was wrong. I thought I, <laughs> Something like that. I can't remember. (laughs) What a beautiful thing it was to be there. That was one of the the most precious weddings that I've ever been a part of. Was to see Joanne and Glenn unite in holy matrimony, take off on their vacation, you know, to the tune of just the four of us rolling around in their mind. What a great trip. We had... Yeah, there's pictures of that trip somewhere hidden away. Love is a powerful thing. I've seen love make many men do things that I never thought that they would do. Uh, Love has the power to change a person's direction in their life. Love is probably the most powerful tool that we have as Christians in order to win others to Christ. Yes. Because the Word of God tells us that we can have a lot of different things, but without love, it's as a sounding brass and as a tinkling cymbal. It's nothing but annoying. But you couple it with love, and it turns into something very powerful today. The love that God had for us is a powerful thing. The love that we have for each other is a powerful thing. But I have seen uh, where men have allowed love to cause them to go in a direction that God did not choose for them to go, and that is is when they fall in love with the enemy. That's why it's critical where we allow our affections to roam. Because it matters 
who and what you fall in love with. A few things to notice out of our passage of Scripture. Verse 4 says, And it came to pass afterward, the Bible declares, that Samson loved a woman by the name of Delilah. But search as I might, you will never find a spot in the Word of God where it says that Delilah ever loved Samson. Delilah was typical of the world. Delilah was not her own person. She was hearing voices from the lords of her land that were telling her, hey, if you, we need to, to get to this guy. He's destroying us. He's destroying your people. And if you'll get him to tell us what we can do to make him weak, we will pay you off handsomely. Don't ever give your love to a world that is seeking after your demise. Samson couldn't understand it. Samson wouldn't believe it. But he had fallen in love with the very thing that was going to destroy him. The very thing that was going to sell him out. The very thing he gave his heart to had no heart to give back to him. She was listening to voices of temptation, voices that would bribe and threaten. And so she takes Samson aside and she says, tell me uh, where your great strength comes from. You say that you love me. You act like you love me. I think that you love me, but you won't tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. And if you really, really love me, you're going to tell me how it is that you are so incredibly strong. But here's the kicker. If you read that carefully, you'll find at the very end that she says, so that you may be bound and afflicted. Now you tell me how blind love can be when the very person that you're in love with you tells you, not only do I want to know your secret, but I want to know your secret so that I can use it to bind you and I can use it to afflict you. You would think that the red flags would be going off, that the sirens would be blasting, that the red lights would be blaring in his mind. But long before the Philistines ever took and put his eyes out physically, Samson was blinded by the love that he found for his enemy. You see, Samson had made the mistake of thinking, I can handle anything. This anointing is always going to be here. And I'll tell you why I think that he felt that way. You go back just a little bit, you'll see that, that Samson early on, he had a, had a taste for, for, for something that he did not need to be a part of. And he was looking for a wife. He was looking for a woman. And he tells his mom and dad, hey, I'm headed down here to look for a woman. They said, hey, listen, Samson, you're a Nazarite. You've taken certain vows. You're separated. You're consecrated unto God. And God has anointed you. Is there not a woman amongst your own? people a godly woman that would help you with your ministry with your calling with your anointing with your your commitment to God is there not but Samson said I don't want any of these things because I've got all this power and I think I'll go down here and toy around and see what I can come up with from the enemy's camp and he starts looking for love in all the wrong places starts making mistakes He's spending the night with a prostitute. 
And they're, they know that he's there because, see, they're all trying to get him. They know that his enemy is there, and they say, we're going to wait till morning, and when morning time comes, you know, we're going to sneak in, and we're going to capture Samson, and we're going to take him, and we're going to find out just how to defeat him. But Samson, God always was speaking to Samson up to that point. God, uh, I guess, gave Samson some kind of a, of a warning. And Samson doesn't wait till morning. He gets up in the middle of the night knowing that they're waiting for him in the morning to try to kill him and take his life. And so Samson gets up in the middle of the night and leaves that, that uh, woman from the Philistine camp behind. And he goes and he rips the gate out of its hinges and carries it up on a hill for all of Philist- uh, the Philistines to see. And I know probably what he's thinking in his mind. Boy, I've done so many things wrong. I've toyed around and tinkered around and I've gone down to the Philistine camp and I've been with the Philistine women and I have, I, and I still, when I need it, God is still there. When I call upon his name, I can still feel his power. I can still feel his presence. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that is God reaching out. That is God uh, extending his hand trying to draw us back because God does have his limitations. And Samson unfortunately found out what those limits were. See, Samson was a Nazarite, and the Nazarite didn't live like everybody else lived. Samson lived a consecrated life of separation. He didn't do what everybody else did. He didn't drink the same drinks. He didn't eat the same foods. He didn't go around unclean thing. And there was a power that came from his vow of separation then. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're wondering why it is that we preach a line of separation in this church, it's because there is still a power that comes from being consecrated and separated from this world. There's still an anointing that flows in God's people when they decide to set themselves aside for His purpose and for His will. Everybody thinks of Samson as a bodybuilder. You know, there's been, I think, the old movies back in the 70s or 80s. and They've probably done some new stuff. There's some... So everybody brings Samson out as this big hulk of a man, you know, who looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> governor of California. Muscles rippling everywhere. Everybody thinks Samson, man, what, what a dude. I mean, that guy was rock solid. He probably had shoulders that looked more like boulders, you know, big biceps that he could take whatever he reached for and crush it with his bare hands. Everybody thinks that he looked like that. But I happen to think that probably Samson was more normal looking than we'd, li- than we'd like to think. I'll tell you what we do know. We know that his enemies could not figure out where his strength came from. If he looked like the Incredible Hulk, they probably would have, wouldn't have asked the question uh, about where his strength come from. I don't believe for one minute that Samson was the equivalent of Goliath out on the battlefield. That he looked like some kind of massive creature that he turned green and ugly and big and mean when he got out on the battlefield as far as his stature went. I really don't believe that that was the case. Because if that were the case, they would have never asked the question, where does he get his strength from? It would have been obvious. What they did know 
was that when this guy goes into battle mode, he is unstoppable. There seems like nothing that we can do. I don't care. We threw a thousand men at him one time and he didn't even come out with a spear or a sword. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he goes to waylaying a thousand of our men. There's something not right about this guy. And so they're looking at him saying, how do we stop him? He seems unstoppable. There's nothing like the anointing that falls upon a person when they begin to go into a spiritual war. Let me tell you this. If God be for us, then no man can be against us. If God be for this church, if we get our anointing right, amen, if we get our love right, if we get our purpose right, then there is nothing that can conquer one of God's people. Samson went into battle. He was invincible. Didn't matter what he faced. It was going down. Didn't matter how many came against him. They were going to be crushed. And this was Samson's story. Victory after victory. This was his life until he fell in love with the enemy. But she's so beautiful. I can see dad. Son, I know she is. She's pretty. The way she bats those eyes. and They're so blue, you look like you could dive right into them and swim around. I know. She's pretty. You're right. But son, she's not good for you. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where she's from. Don't forget that she is our enemy. Son, don't, you gotta, you're not thinking clearly here in San says, but, but dad, I, I'm smitten. I mean, I don't know if she could be the one. And he's like, son, she's not the one. But dad, how can you know? My heart's telling me that she's the one. And his dad has got to be sitting there trying to tell him, son, I know how you're feeling, but, but it's a false love. If she doesn't love you and feel about you the same way that you feel about her, it's not going to work. She's from a different world and not just any world. She is from the camp of your enemy son start thinking but I love her does she love you uh, I, I'm sure she does that's not what I ask you does she love you has she said it well not in so many words uh, isn't it just almost stupid how dumb we become when we just like get the love bug. It's like we can't see nothing. I mean, all the flags are flying and everything is saying. And when it comes right down to it, we try to justify our actions and the things that we do and the feelings that we have. And, and we'll make excuse after excuse to, to, to try to make somebody that can see clearly what we can only see through this fog called love in our mind. We try to get them to understand and believe that this is, this is right. I've sat in my office or in a couch or in a living room someplace and had conversations with people over and over and over again that are sitting there trying to tell me, uh, you know what, I think this is going to be okay. I think I can do this. And I sit there and tell them, listen, the Word of God tells us this. Uh, you know what, you better stay away from that. You better not go around that. That's not going to be good for you. And if I don't get them to change who they fall in love with, I will lose them every single time because they can't. Cannot see the faults, even though it's coming from their enemy. Even her name means weakness. 
Samson, wake up. Before it's too late. You know, he even had three chances where he should have known what she was trying to do. I mean, he was the ultimate doofus here. I'm not, well, maybe I'm trying to be slightly disrespectful. I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, she says, tell me, tell me what's going to make you weak. Tell me what's going to, going to, uh, you know, cause your strength to leave. And he tells her, oh, if you do this, then, then I'll be as weak as any other man. And so she does it. And she just doesn't do it and then say, okay, go over here and show me if you can pick up this log. She calls in the enemy. And they come into the room and he stands up. She says, he's weak as any other man now. And he stands up and rips it all off and, and, and kills the enemy. And uh, she realizes that he's lied to her again. Three times he goes through this and she realizes that he's lying to her, but he cannot figure out that she's lying to him. He's got three chances to walk out, but he's blinded by the love that he has for his enemy. She was mocking him, and he didn't even realize the fool that she was making him out to be. I'm talking to somebody today. When you fall in love with the enemy, you're just fooling yourself. If you think that falling in love with this world, if you think that doing what this world deems that is right and what they say that, that is going to make you cool, let me tell you something. It's only a matter of time before you wake up in chains and in bondage one day and figure out that they were just playing you for a fool. This world cannot is not capable of loving you. God is the only one that is capable of loving us. Amen. And when the devil comes in and he tries to destroy you, you need to say, you know what? Say what you will. But I'm not in love with you. I've fallen in love with God and I'll not leave God for one second. Do not fall for the tactics of your enemy. Finally, the word says that she pressed him until his soul was vexed to the point of death. That sounds like a marvelous relationship to me. I'm going to put it in Today's words, she nagged him half to death. I'm not asking for a show of hands here. Do not, do not raise your hand. You're not even married, John. You don't count. Just say in this world that I'm making up right now for the point of that, that, that you had a wife that was nagging. You know, maybe she wasn't even your wife. Maybe you were dating her. Okay, I talked a little bit about my relationship with, 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 um, with my wife. Now, if she would have been a nag that year that we were dating, I would still be Mr. Rice, but she would not be Mrs. Rice. <laughs> And she, man, she was pretty. She was as good looking as they came. I mean, she, I was smitten with her. But there's something about when a when when a woman or even a man starts to nag you. You know, I mean, nagging can go both ways. Uh, that there's something about if you start getting nagged, that it changes your, the way you look at somebody and changes the way that you feel about somebody. But this dude had it bad. He said, I'm either going to have to get out of here or I'm going to have to tell her what the truth is. 
And it's at this point that Samson makes the most critical, crucial decision of his life, and he fails. And he tells her. He tells her the secret that costs him everything. It's a dangerous thing to think that God will allow you to feel the anointing no matter what you do or who you love. Yes. There are certain limitations. God will reach out to us. Thank God He did or I wouldn't be standing before you today because I didn't always live for God the way that I should have. But I always felt that tug. I always felt that, that anointing. I could go to a church service and still feel God even though I rejected that. I pushed that aside and God was a gentleman. He wouldn't force me to do anything, but He was still there. But i tell you what got me really shooken up was when I started to feel like God was about ready to cut me off. I began to literally feel like my time was coming to an end, that God was going to get to the point where he was going to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm through dealing with your heart. I'm through dealing with you. I'm through trying to reach out to you because you can only go so far and God will always kind of be there on the outskirts, but God will not always chase you and not always anoint you and allow you to feel his presence once you cross certain lines. God loves us completely, but even God draws lines, and Samson crossed that line. He breaks his vows, breaks his commitments. God had been patient with him, but he should have never told her, never should have told the enemy where his strength came from. It wasn't long before the stark reality hit Samson and he was taken away. He woke up one morning and all his hair was gone. That's a bad dream to me. I mean, I have that dream every once in a while. It's a slow process. It's happening, but the Lord has blessed me enough to let it happen gradually so I don't cry every day now. Samson wakes up and he's got a buzz cut. His commitment has been destroyed. His vow is gone. He's let the enemy in on his secret. And with his hair and with his vow, with his commitment, his strength and his anointing has also vanished. And he gets up just like the other three times. And I can, I, you know, you can think in, in your mind, here he is. He's, this is going to, this is going to be fun. I'm kind of having a good time with this whole gag that she's got going on. I just wipe out a few more Philistines and he goes to break his bonds and he finds out that his strength is gone and there's something wrong this time. He doesn't feel the same way that he's felt before. The tingling sensation that goes through his body and the strength that he feels is not there at his very whim. And when he desires it and needs it to be, anymore and he finds himself hopeless and helpless and bound no strength no hope blinded and working at a grinding mill like any common sling slave only to be brought out occasionally for his enemies to have a good laugh at his foolishness occasionally they'll walk him out they'll parade him out when they're having their party they remember this guy 
This is the guy that killed a thousand of us with a jawbone. This is the guy that tied the foxtails together, lit them on fire and sent them through our, our, our fields and burned everything up. Now look at him. Doesn't look so tough now. He's blinded. He's not got any sight. He's over there grinding at the mill. And they would bring him out simply to torture him with all the memories of who he used to be and what he used to feel. And I'm so glad that we serve a merciful God because the story doesn't end there. Our music come today. There are more than likely some that said in this service today that you can relate to what Samson was feeling. You feel like, I've gone too far. Something has happened to me in the past that, and I've said certain things or done certain things that there's no way that God, God could be merciful enough to take me. Look at me. I'm a slave to my addiction or I'm a slave to, to my, my memories. I'm a slave. I'm bound to all these things. And here I am just pushing at this grinding meal for my enemy. Nothing to do here but to stand around and listen as they curse me. Listen as they mock me. I can't even see who it is. I've got no way to defend myself anymore. But I've come to tell you today that Jesus Christ is a merciful and a gracious God. And He loves a man or a woman that will come to him in a heart with repentance in their mind and in their spirit and come to him. Jesus Christ will accept those that come to him with a repentant heart. They're throwing a big party and they think, you know what capped this night off? Why don't we bring Samson out? drag him out here. It's been a while since we've had a little fun with him. It's been a while since we've heard the stories. It's been a while since we've told of how the wise judge of Israel by the name of Samson who had power and might and was victorious over every enemy. It's been a while since we've told him just how silly we made him look. Bring him back out. But in the meantime, Samson had had a little bit of time to ponder his mistakes. I'm sure his heart was broken. I'm sure it took him a while to... He probably lied to himself in that, that jail cell with all the time that he had. Surely there's got to be some mistake. I, surely she didn't really feel that way about me. Surely they're not at all. It couldn't have all been fake. Surely some part of her loved me somewhere. Maybe she'll come. Maybe she'll visit. But day in and day out, Samson sat alone. And his enemy, who he thought he loved, never, you never read where she ever came to speak to him again. You know why? Because she never loved him. <laughs> she used him. The day finally come where 
you know how it is you get a little bit older and you start thinking back enough time has passed and you start thinking about the way that you used to feel you start thinking about the victories of the past there's times now when we'll tell stories that are from 30 years ago about some service that we were part of. We had a youth group that, that fasted, went on an extended fast. We were hungry. Hungry for a move of God, just like Brother Jones was teaching on this morning. It was, it, it was a young youth group that, that was just wanted to do the right thing and we began to fast and we went on this extended fast not everybody made it but there was uh, several of us that made it and we went to that church on that Sunday night and five people got the Holy Ghost that night I remember that it, it spread out of the church and was out on the on the front lawn in the church and and I was in the vestibule wasn't even in the church wasn't up around the altar the Holy Ghost was moving all over that place and I'm I'm out in the vestibule praying with two young people and I got one in this hand and I got one in this hand and they both received the Holy Ghost. You want to talk about supercharged, man. It was running through me both ways. I didn't know what to do with the, the whole thing. I mean, the, the power of God was there in such a mighty way. We think back to those times and I think Samson probably got to the point where he began to think, oh, I, I just wish I could feel that, that anointing again. I wish I could feel that, that strength and that power one more time. And, and he knows he doesn't really deserve anything, but, but I, I could see him kneeling down in that old cell and he, he just asked God, you know, God, you know, I know I don't deserve your love and I know I've done you wrong. I've cheated on you. I, I've done everything that you asked me not to do. I, I've been just terrible in the relationship that I had for you and after everything you did for me but God if just one more time if you'd one more time let me feel that spiritual strength again I'll prove to you how much I love you they bring him out and they put him between two columns because he asked for it on purpose. I think Samson made up in his mind that he should have fallen in love and stayed in love with the one that loved him back. It finally dawned on him somewhere along the line how wrong he'd been. Just like a foolish spouse that would come back and say, if there's any way that you can forgive me, I'll do whatever it takes to make this right. Samson comes back to God and he says, God, if you'll let me feel your presence one more time, I'll make it right. Just one more time, God. And God says, just got one question for you. One question, Samson. Who do you love? I want to hear you say it. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.